This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at mofad.org. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. This week, we're celebrating Valentine's Day. Whether it's your favorite day of the season or you avoid it like the plague, there's no debating. It's a big day for the world of food and hospitality. Valentine's Day is what we uh, refer to in the industry as a blackout day. I don't feel that my manlyhood is threatened when I order a glass of rosé or, God forbid, a rosé champagne. It's an old Jamaican drink from way back, and we just decided to bring it back into existence. It's a drink that the men, they believe it really does wonders. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Elena Santigade. On today's show, we're going in-depth with the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Award, DZTA for short. We've talked about this award and about Daphne herself many times on this program. And listeners, I urge you to sift back through our episodes to learn more about Daphne herself. Episodes 50 and 86 in the very early days of the show featured Daphne as a guest, and episode 107 was wholly devoted to Daphne as a tribute after her death. I didn't know Daphne personally, but I'm very inspired by the many ways that she impacted the cheese industry. A few examples for listeners who may not know, she founded Essex Street Cheese, she championed the American Cheese Society Certified Cheese Professional uh, exam and certification, and she also founded and ran the Cheese School of San Francisco, among many other uh, tidbits I could say about her. The endowment is now entering its seventh year of existence, and they've recently released the DZTA 2022 vision. As we start the show, here's a quick rundown of past winners and their award-winning endeavors. Jess Perry traveled to Spain to focus on Basque shepherding and cheesemaking traditions. Emily Charton traveled to England, France, and Holland to study affinage. Tom Perry visited cheesemakers to study their use of native cultures in Europe. Sam Frank traveled throughout Europe and America to focus on heritage breed dairy animals. Vince Razional traveled to dairy farms in England and America to focus on the flavor of bandaged cheddar. And Eric Meredith is traveling to France and England to troubleshoot and improve cheese aging practices this year. Wow, what a group! <laughs> So my guest today is Rachel Jewell, known to many as simply Jewell. She is the chief administrator of the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Endowment and also wears another cheese hat as the chief educator and trainer for Essex Street Cheese. Rachel, welcome to Cutting the Curd. Thanks so much for having me, Elena. It's fun to be back. Yes. So... To date, the teaching award has consisted of one $5,000 award given to one recipient per year. And I just ran through that list. Those are all of the recipients so far. Now, in the updated 2022, 2022, now that we're in these years, I like don't know how to say the, the number of the year. 
2000, I, know. I don't know what to do. Updated 2022 vision. You outline a future in which there may be multiple awards given each year and potentially in different dollar amounts and for even different purposes. So I'm curious to start here and just jump in and ask, like, what prompted the broadening of that scope? Was it the prospect of more funds or have the applications themselves suggested a wider spectrum of what the award could be? Tell us a little bit about that particular change in this updated vision. Yeah, so it kind of requires looking back at where we started, and Daphne wrote the original vision along with two other friends and Mm -hmm. were board members. And, you know, originally this idea was there was no scholarship like this out there, where it was we can give you funds and you can go research whatever it is you personally want to go find within the scope of Europe, and then come back and have all these opportunities to teach chiefly at the the Chief Society Conference, but also potentially, hopefully, other places. And so at that point, it was such groundbreaking to have this kind of scholarship, and so for us, it was like that's already so big to offer this one $5,000 scholarship, have right. all this freedom, and have this great potential for more. But it was like thinking beyond that seems so literally like 2022. Like it felt, you know, <laughs> otherworldly space odyssey, right? Like right. it just was like so far out there. And then so we accomplished that, and very quickly it became these questions of like, oh no, we have winners now. What do they do? Mm. And then, oh no, oh, we what? have other people who want to. What they have to go to other places. What do they want to do? Ah. And how do we make sure that winners still keep teaching? We want them to, but how do we do that? And right, because part of that things- original vision was really to cre- create. I think that I love the wording in that original vision to create a squad of teachers about mm-hmm. cheese. Yeah. You know, and yeah, um, exactly. it's interesting to think about the award. You know, can definitely launch people into a new realm of their cheese studying or exploring and teaching all the while, but also has the potential to um, create some longevity in terms of career. Yeah, exactly. And so those were the goals. And so much of this vision was written of, okay, we understood the the real nuts and bolts of how that initial scholarship would work. And we understood that $250,000 would allow for that initial fundraising would allow for us to have a scholarship winner every year in um, perpetuity without an over excessive need to fundraise. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it was like, okay, so we got that figured out. But yeah, the really big picture was that these winners need to be able to continue to teach. This is not a one and done. And it almost becomes that you're part of this now squad, like you're a family of DCTA teachers. Um, So let's, Just to ask you a quick question about the winner's piece of it. Um, So listeners, uh, right now, uh, the winner of the teaching award gives, uh, basically presents their findings and Mm -hmm. what they learned and kind of shares that knowledge with the greater cheese community, specifically at the American Cheese Society Conference each summer. And we've interviewed, I think, all of the award winners here on the show. Um, And so other than that, you know, historically and currently, how much do do you all at the um, at the teaching award endowment? How much are you sort of in contact with the winners? How much do you, um, you know, stay connected to them and and hear about what yeah. they're doing or help them with what they're doing? How what has that been like to date? Yeah, well. Like any startup, it's been very much figured out as you go. Um, <laughs> You're like, uh, <laughs> right? chaotic and great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, chaotic and awesome. Um, and, um, you know, that's also kind of this thing of that we have these amazing ideas and it's like, all right, now how are you going to execute it? And mm-hmm. by the way, like none of these people have started a board before, let alone a huge scholarship managing funds and all those things. So a lot of, and then trial and error, you know, so it was like, mm-hmm. so initially I came on board right away and my job was very loose. It was just to administer the board, whatever that meant. And so right. a lot 
my and my personality was it was unwritten. There was no job description for this, but very much I felt, you know, I became this like liaison partner to all the winners hmm. um, as the administrator. And I was like, okay, and that was to carry them to ACS. And but then even afterwards, it was like, hey, like, you know, there's all these different times where a bunch of cheese people are together, whether it's fancy food or it's mm-hmm. different festivals around the country right. or CMI things or, like that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or even, you know, there's just times where, you know, people are going to be kind of together, even if it's only a group of 20. Right. And it was like, why can't that become an opportunity to teach, you know? And mm-hmm. we also, sometimes it was like, hey, like, are you going to be happening attending fancy food? We could coordinate something for you. Um, will you be attending this other event? We could coordinate something for you. Mm-hmm. Or, and so it depend it depend on the winner though because then other winners say have traveling jobs which many now mongers do right that's kind of the new modern day like salesperson or whatever right like you graduate from the counter and you i mean i yeah. did th- i did this myself you graduate from the counter yeah. you become you know you represent a producer or a distributor exactly. or an importer and then you're on the road Exactly. And so sometimes what's happened with those who've had those kind of positions, they naturally create opportunities for themselves. They're like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm already coming into a town in a certain area. And it can be as informal as making sure some people come to a bar and they have a 30 minute presentation. Their original one was an hour and a half. So they have to edit it down. Right. Um, other times it can be much more formal where they like hire out of space and it's you know much bigger and they present their original presentation. And mm-hmm. so they become very, again, it became very much you know, um, contextual of how you allowed opportunities. And it became, the, this is where the new vision came into, though, that that became easy for some past winners to mm-hmm. do that because they were on the road and they, they their lives built in opportunities for them to teach. Um, you have other winners, though, who are more, you know, geographically um, stuck, maybe because of their job or mm-hmm. just their circumstances or whatever it may be. And so then they can do with their own staff, they can do the presentations or things locally, but then it was, there was a wall. It was like, well, wait, like, how can I teach more? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always the feedback that kept coming back to the board. We're like, we don't know. We're trying to create opportunities. And it was just very difficult to get anything off the ground. And right. so then when 2017 rolled around, and we'd heard this feedback for so long from our past winners, especially like or once early on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like that really needs to be figured out somehow in the new vision that we provide these opportunities for so, our past winners, more formal opportunities. Got so it. that it's not just one person trying to organize it. Like almost like a, um, yeah. almost like a, what is it called? Like the top chef alumni or whatever, you know, yeah, like totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not that it's yeah, that it's totally... cutthroat or no, anything, but, but no, right. But it's like, Hey, like how do we somehow focus on the original winners, you right. know? And first, and so again, like you look at this original vision and it was just so monumental that we wanted to accomplish all these things. But the, the beauty of a vision is actually the fact that it's sometimes it's not very specific. Um, right. Right. So, it sort of yeah, paints also, a broad picture. Yeah, so the, but that becomes then the difficult parts, right? Of like, mm-hmm. hey, like, how are we actually going to execute these things? And so that was what with this new vision then. It was like, okay, we got to take that into consideration, but that means we need more funds. Mm-hmm. So fundraising, fortunately, has never stopped even without us trying, just because we have a lot of, like, um, annual donations people make, annual right. events that have started, and they just keep coming. So it was like, hey, what? So that it was like a chicken and egg, which came first? We were getting money. We need to mm-hmm. do something with that money. Right. Uh, we have things that we want to do that require more money so we don't eat into the fund so we need to raise more so those kind of things came hand in hand Mm -hmm. um and then in addition the questions then so that was one reason why that was important to incorporate these you know broader not just one scholarship potential in the vision yeah right and then the other things and then so then the other things that came up it was like well you know also like maybe there's people who 
you know, going away for three weeks is just super impossible. Mm. Like that's just not going to happen for them. A one, right. two weeks or right. something like that, you know? And so these junior scholarships kind of popped up. We had that idea of mm. like, well, what if we could offer something smaller? They could travel within the U.S. maybe. Right. Um, right. So it costs less money, be away for less period of time. You don't have the jet lag feature, you know, and all that right. kind of stuff. Don't need passports. Um, just a simpler opportunity and yet could still really be in in line with the ethos of BCTA, of building a squad of educators, of giving opportunities to people that don't have it before and being kind of like a career launcher. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of what happened was that, yeah, the the core still is build that squad of professionals who can teach. Mm -hmm. And so we need to to get more um, creative with what opportunities we give, either for previous winners or expanding what kind of winners we attract. Right. Now, you mentioned um, wanting to launch careers. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's interesting in the original vision, I think it actually, I think Daphne actually even specified that, sh- that she was hoping young people would <laughs> apply yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> as they yeah. like embarked yeah. on their, you know, as they, and, and I think then it, it also sort of mentions throughout that, you know, creating opportunities that didn't exist and connections that maybe yeah. people newer to the industry, um, didn't yep. have yet. So it, it does that remain a focus or with, with sort of this idea of a larger um, spectrum of, of awards, is that also broadened? What's, what's the current take on, you know, who you're hoping to assist here? Yeah, I think that is still always going to be the hope. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, what we'll say is we'll never turn down an applicant. I'm mm-hmm. never going to say, you know, you're overqualified. Um, you may not win, (laughs) you know, if you've written five books and you've traveled the world (laughs) to have a TV show, right? Like, you're you're just probably not going to win, but I'm going to let you apply. We're never going to say no. But Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, that's what a lot of the board is looking at. And I think what's important too, every time is that they're looking at the, we, 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 we're, the other thing, a part of the vision that we're working on is how do we get this just application out there to more people? Mm. Because we do want to attract those people who aren't just at every single event, kind of know everything and already pretty well connected. Right. Like, so how those are great. So those are wonderful people, but right. like we need to reach those far flung places. And how can we do that? And how that's are you? Yeah. How are you? You know, how have you been um, promoting the award and the application and, you know, what are your, do you have any new strategies you're putting into place in the coming yeah. years? Yeah. So in the past it was, uh, me. <laughs> and you know I what, the- Jewel, yeah. I mean, of all the promoters, I think you're pretty good. You've got a, you've got a knack for the chatty. <laughs> Uh, really? I have no, I've never heard that before. 31 years, Elena, you're the first. Um, had no idea. No, it's but, awesome. Yeah, it's so actually like that, pretty amazing. It naturally came that way. <laughs> How much you've gotten well, it, the word out there just by like spread, literally yeah. just spreading the word. word of, yeah, it's literally, so it's so funny. That's really how it's been. And it's so funny, like just, it's amazing too how the, the means of communication have even changed in seven years. Mm. Like that's what's amazing to me. Like seven years ago when we started, I don't think we had a Facebook page. Right. Right, like in, have Instagram wasn't, yeah, wasn't a like part Instagram of it. wasn't really a thing. Like it was 
like it was very underutilized. Mm-hmm. And so Facebook was the big thing. And so right. it was like, I was like, I went to the board that wasn't part of our plan. Cause again, we were just all starting fresh and had no plan basically. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Oh, okay. I think we need to have a Facebook page. We had a website, but we need a Facebook page. That's how people are communicating. Um, we need a mailing list, but it wasn't MailChimp that wasn't really being used. So it was mm-hmm. like, okay, just a Gmail list. We collect these things. So we mm-hmm. had newsletters we wrote every two weeks oh, updating okay. people on the fundraising. And like, basically you were on the, the mailing list. If you'd hosted an event before or had, um, donated to us before. So it was like us giving you progress reports, so things are going on. But it was like, hey, by the way, let's throw in other events. And the goal was we kept people aware because a lot of the fundraising happened through all these different various events. And I was like, hey, if they hear that these cool events are going on, maybe it inspires them to host one of their own. Right. And you so, so the way too. that you do the events has been that you're partnering like with another event yeah. host or a, a space. Exactly. Or, yeah. And then the proceeds yeah. go to yeah. the award. Or, yeah, or, like, a, a shop, like, Buy Right, for instance, for, like, three or four years donated mm-hmm. Q4 sales of four cheeses from Essex, um, like, 20%, I think, or something. Wow, some, amazing. Some percentage. And so they, right, so then you had that, where it was just like, hey, we're, like, their customers knew that this like, promotion was going on, the cheese wasn't on sale, but the customers were aware that their sales, like, portion of it were going to the mm-hmm. DCTA. We talked about Daphne in the stores, blah, blah, blah. We, we gladly took the check. It was very mm-hmm. minimal, like, liaison. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we had these, like, email was the way you talked to people, and then it was Facebook, and that's how we got the word out. And then it was like, okay, that's kind of working, but not everyone's reading emails anymore. Like, if they get to seven pages long, it gets exhausting, right? right. Like, we got to that point. And it was like, oh, I don't think I can keep sending seven-page emails. Like, it's awkward. Um, You're like, why, so then why was, is everyone unsubscribing? Why? <laughs> hey, why are we losing all these people? And then it was like, okay, so then we revamped our website. Because at first, I right. built it, which I'm not an IT person. I will preface that um, at all. <laughs> and it was like on WordPress, just a janky, you know, blog website. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know... So now that we, we were able to revamp that and use that as a means to get the word out, mm-hmm. just more information available on it that we could direct people towards. Um, but then Instagram became a really a big thing where it was like people really follow Instagram. They really engage with it. And it was like, oh, okay, but what content should we put out there? And then it was the, the thing you always run into is funding. Right. It costs money to market, right? Mm-hmm. So like that word of mouth became so valuable because it's free. Right. So it was like, hey, with the board members, we gave them talking points to talk about the, the board or the, the endowment. We mm-hmm. passed winners. We relied on them a lot. We're like, please use your networks. Please talk about that you've won. Spread right. the word, you know, things like that. And so to this day, that still kind of is our our wall. We hit mm-hmm. the, the money. We don't have funds in this endowment. That's not part of our fundraising that we will use funds for marketing. Right. Um, because it needs to cover the scholarships. And so to this day, we're, we're working on that always. I'm always open to great suggestions. I had like four <laughs> meetings at ACS this summer. I'm like, hey guys, any ideas of like how we can get the word out more? Um, something we're working on right now is going after, this is a really great piece of advice I got, is just targeting different audiences so Mm -hmm. we've we've really hit the ground of audiences i personally know um and then like our board members know but like cheesemaker guilds Mm -hmm. for instance we've never really targeted that audience and we're like oh my gosh they have mailing lists Mm -hmm. they're great candidates they're the exact candidate we're looking for you know things like that because even if it's not cheesemakers it's cheese professionals are part of those guilds it's Mm -hmm. a wide audience and those people may never attend fancy food and they may never attend cmi Uh they may never attend all these acs's whatever and yet they're perfectly qualified, most likely, to like apply for the scholarship. And that, so that was like spirit, a big thing. Yeah. yeah. In that spirit, also, I would think maybe food service professionals, cooks, chefs, sure. you know, that's yeah. like a whole and that's, world. You know, that's that... one area 
area we've always struggled with. So mm-hmm. we've tried because technically that's how the, the application is written is that you just have to be a food professional. So you mm-hmm. do not have to actually be and like Daphne a herself, monger. Daphne herself right. started as a chef. Exactly. As a cook, right? Exactly. So that's why it was included. She was really right. like, please make sure that like culinaries know about this. Mm-hmm. And so we've tried that. That's been a harder um, industry for us to tap into just because yeah. of contacts, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've tried like different chefs we know to like get the word out, but the, the contacts has been really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to get more into that. If yeah, I wonder chefs if, listening, yeah, listeners would love to like, you know, <laughs> reach out to this group. Like, I think I also if any of our listeners are, um, connected with culinary schools, that could be a exactly. Great way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Well, it's actually time for a quick break, but we'll be back in a moment with more about the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Award and its updated organizational vision. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. Featuring a variety of interactive displays, MOFAD encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food. The museum currently operates MOFAD Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show until the end of March 2019. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants, tracing their nearly 170-year history, and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese-American restaurant menus, dating back to 1910, and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese-American cuisine. Make sure you check out Chow while you still can. The exhibition closes at the end of March 2019. Check out MOFAD's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org events. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Elena Santigate, and I'm here with Jewel of the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Award. So you mentioned a, a few times in the, in the top half of the show that the award has a board of directors. And I'm aware that you've recently like added a few people to the mix and as part of, I don't know if it was part of your visioning process or if it just was kind of like an overlap in timing, but um, tell us a little bit about like the newer members of the board. And I'm curious, like how, you know, what does that role entail and, and what is that group uh, charged with or hoping to do for the award? Yeah. So originally it was a board of 11 members, mm-hmm. all handpicked by Daphne. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were all notified actually after Daphne passed away that mm-hmm. they were part of this board. Mm-hmm. Um, and they hadn't even heard of the board before. So it was like, by the way, here's a board. And Daphne hand selected you to be one of the members. Like a little there was surprise. No position. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, wait, by the way. Um, and so it was very much like this obviously that emotional connection mm-hmm. to it. And so, so much of it was just, you know, originally too, so much of it was about fundraising. So originally there was no actual um, 
we didn't have any paperwork for what like the terms of being a board member was. Mm-hmm. We just had this vision. There mm-hmm. was no rules of board. We weren't even a 501c3 at that point. We were housed and hosted financially under the American Chief Society. Right. I was Foundation. listening to an earlier episode yeah. of of Cutting the Curd and with with yeah. um uh, Ari, um, talking yeah. about the foundation, I was like, oh, it was through ACS yep. at first. Exactly. Cause we just, if you, the, the whole process, that could be a whole other podcast of how to set up a 501c3. Right. And it's very <laughs> expensive. It inquires, right. they could be, it's glad to talk about it. Um, requires lawyers to right. do it right. right. And you know, all some time. stuff and it takes time, mm-hmm. right. You've got to apply, you got to wait, paperwork, blah, 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 back and forth. And so we needed to get money raised immediately. Mm-hmm. We were, we launched at ACS a month after she died. So, and we were accepting checks literally that day. Mm-hmm. So we needed somewhere to deposit. So immediately we housed, we um, created like a sub chapter within the account at ACS and they housed our funds for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, that was the main role of these fundraisers or these board members, excuse me, was fundraise, 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 right. and get the word out there. No one's heard of this um, uh, scholarship before. Mm-hmm. Talk to your, a lot of them were major players, either buyers for global uh, chains mm-hmm. or um, major retailers. They had a lot or of reach. Owners of cheesemakers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like contact all your employees, somehow get the word out there and like, use them a lot. So it was like, get the word out, get money raised. Um, that was like the, the role of a board member, but then very, you know, we raised about a hundred thousand. We did, we reached a hundred thousand dollars in the first six months. And wow. then we need a goal was still 150,000 after that. So the, the fundraising was still coming in, but eventually it kind of slows down. And we, mm-hmm. a lot of it began, came on me then because they were coming in the form of events. Right. We weren't chasing candidates anymore. Right. And so then the board was like, Hey, what are we doing? And those, you know, there's board meetings we had, there was, um, feedback that was received. I was the main source of feedback from any past winners mm-hmm. or things like that. And so we'd have these meetings and talk about these are things we're hearing. How can we tweak those? So they became like an advisory board where mm-hmm. it was like, okay, like we're, we discuss things. How should we move forward? Right. Um, did you find unfor- that when, did you find that when you were, you know, having that more advisory experience that, um, the board was helping more with like, how do we run this nonprofit and how do we execute this vision or was it also, um, you know, who should we choose or, um, Mm, where should we be looking for candidates? Like what, what was that all about? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. It was mm. definitely the, the 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 questions were coming, especially from Mo Frechette, who's our our um, president, mm-hmm. and it was handling so much of the financial side of things. And it was like, hey, like here's the update on being a five hundred one c three. How can we move forward? with The bank accounts we choose, investments we choose, whatever it may be. Right. So there was advisory board in that sense. Uh, we're reviewing the application. Here's some edits. Can you please help? Give any input? Things we need to tweak. And then yeah, that question came up because all the board members reviewed the applications. They review every single application themselves, blind. Wow. Not blind, but none of them share their scores with each other. So okay. it's not, there's no like conversation being had about. Hey, okay. You so each person has their, like in a vacuum, each person would. In a vacuum. An- that's the word. Not blind. Analyze yeah. exactly. the applications. Okay. Exactly. So then it would, it, sometimes it would come up like afterwards because none of them had discussed, you know, together. Mm-hmm. We'd have this winner. And the questions were like, hey, how can we get a, you know, we're happy with the winner and we always have been, it's always been great, but like, how can we just refine this process of reviewing an applicant. Mm. That was a lot of conversations of yeah, how that seems like them a he- better, right, you know, right. a heavy responsibility. And especially sometimes where you had some years we only had, you know, say, I might be wrong, but like, you know, like 15 ballpark, 17 applicants. Mm-hmm. Other years we've had like 32, you know, so you're mm-hmm. reading all these applications 
And the more you have, the more actually really good ones come through. When you only have like, say, 15 apply and you need to choose your top five, it's mm-hmm. pretty, it becomes easier to right. find those top five. Right. You're picking out of 32. It's like, oh my goodness, there's just too many. It becomes just like literally picking hairs right. to like decipher. And so that was the conversations they have of like, what hairs are you picking, basically? Mm-hmm. Like, what is more important? And we've never given, um, uh, I'm facing the word right now. It starts with a C, and it's what you use to grade things and you compare to. It'll come to me. Uh, but we never gave, we don't give board members a list of things that are more important to look at in an application. Criteria. We just have our vision. Criteria. Thank you. It's so simple. Um, <laughs> but we don't give them that. We're not like, hey, you know what's really important? Number of years in the industry. So it's and that's really more like, it's whatever. like the vision. And the application, and that's what it's been. Yeah, that's really, and so it's much more of a, you know, there. Yeah, that that seems like it would be great because it's kind of leaves a lot up to instinct and like and what yeah. what feels right, but then also could yeah. be pretty time consuming. So has exactly. that has that process changed with the sort of yeah. all of the? Oh, interesting. Okay. So it won't it won't change in the sense that still we now have, we have less board members now we're down to eight right. instead of eleven. Um, it won't change in the sense all of them will still receive every application and grade in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to use that phrase now, um, <laughs> and so that will still go going forward because we find that works the best. It mm-hmm. just it works really well. It ensures no bias. It's and it it always ensures that the greatest person wins because the majority of people scored them the highest. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just it's very fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but things that are coming up are so we'd have these conversations as a board. You know, eleven people in a room. And then it was like, okay, who's going to take charge with these minute notes? Because we only had an hour to talk and go forward with mm. it. And that was always really hard to like send off. So now what we have is a, a committees. So we ah, have the committee, committee model. The committee model, right? So you've got this board, and it's like the job description of each board member we needed to define. So now we've defined your role. Nice. So nice. Um, we just finished this process. All the all the board members chose which committee they wanted to be on. We have four different committees. And they tackle mm. different things. So one of them specifically is application and awareness. Got and it. these three people's job is just to constantly, like every year, refine the application process mm. itself. Yeah. And then raise awareness for it and brainstorm together how that's going to happen. And then, um, then the others, the other three committees. But and yeah, then what are those other? What are the board? What yeah. are those other three committees? Yeah. So the other one was a lot. Of, something we talked about earlier. This this concept of supporting our past winners. Uh-huh. So it was always very much like there was no nothing formal for mm-hmm. it. So it was like now we're going to have three people dedicated to mentoring and supporting our past winners, not only to get them to ACS for their first presentation, because mm-hmm. in the past that was just me and Mo, and that wasn't formal. We decided we realized they needed that, so we jumped up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's like, hey, let's actually give three people in the committee who'd be really good at that to help them through that process. But then in addition, once ACS is over – you know, can we help with maybe these mini scholarships that we talked about? Can we release funds to get these winners to go places? Can we connect them with an event, you know, Oregon Festival? Hey, you're on the West Coast. Can you attend this Oregon Festival? I know someone there who can get you on the the, the, the calendar, something that's like great. that. That's and this so committee great. would help with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's really wonderful. We that's needed that desperately. Awesome. And then, of course... Um, the, the boring, but really important legal and financial. I was going to ask about that. Okay. Above board. That's a crucial <laughs> yeah, committee. 
super crucial and one I really did not want to be a part of personally. <laughs> I was asked and I was like, yeah, I'm good. Like the I'm other three are really much more my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, that's not my area. Um, like I said, I'm a gift to the gab, not like the numbers. Um, so, and so, yeah, but basically like legal and financial being legal, constantly reviewing, making sure mm-hmm. we're handling funds appropriately. Right. Um, it's not it's not as much work now as it was in the beginning, but financial, like, hey, we got the funds, we're receiving the donations, tax right. letters are going how's out. It all but working? in addition, right. how how are we yeah, how's it all working? And then the final one um is called presidential transition because for the first oh. time ever, our dear dear Mo Frechette is going to be moving on. Wow. Which I don't know what we're gonna do. I know we're gonna do just fine, but I'm personally like, What? Yeah. Um, that's like But yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, the question is how does that happen though? Because it's not written down mm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so last year we also had nothing written down about the board transition. Mm-hmm. So we did that last year where we spent a lot of last year writing the terms for how boards, the board would function and wow. what is the process also of appointing new members and things like that. So we just actually had our first meeting this morning talking about what is this presidential transition look like? Cause it won't just happen once. Right. So not only are we preparing for Mo's departure, but we're also trying to set it up so that no matter what, it's just a, te- a book people refer to and they're like, all right, it's time for the new president. What do we do? Right. Um, this is so great. It's really, I mean, I'm really amazed with not only, you know, the ways that you've, you know, executed on the vision and done this sort of incredible service to Daphne's um, memory, but also now creating this depth. And um, it's almost like, it's like if the foundation, I don't know, was, was wooden before or something and you're like pouring concrete in the foundation now. It's like really, um, it's really exciting to hear about the ways that uh, as an organization, you can, um, grow and then also better sort of grow the spectrum of everyone who's touched by this teaching award. It's just really, really incredible. Um, it's really exciting to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I'm other sure. people are hearing about it. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Um, I can't believe it, but we're getting to the end of our episode. Yeah, and I'm sure many of our listeners are hoping for some insider tips on preparing a good application <laughs> this year. The deadline, yeah. um, listeners, for anyone who's thinking of applying, you definitely should. The deadline is May 31st, 2019. So you have some time to develop your ideas. So Jewel, what like two or three key pieces of advice would you give to applicants for this year's award? Yeah, um, I would definitely say read the two different visions. They're both Mm -hmm. available on our website. Mm -hmm. Um, Daphne's original one she wrote and then the 2022 because you can't, um, if you've never read the first one, it's just very critical to understand Mm -hmm. what our scholarship is going for. And then the 2022, of course, to understand where we're going and what we're looking for. Um, And then things I definitely would do is reach out. um, They're available on the website, but if you want to, reach out to our past winners. Um, yeah, because they're, they're the people who've been through it and they all had very different experiences. You have Jess who was ground zero. She was number Mm -hmm. one, first one. So there was, she did it with no help. (laughs) Right. And so it's like, how (laughs) did you pull this off? Right. Right. Yeah. Complete guinea pig. And what's your feedback? And she'd be really great for that. And she's been, but also, even though she was a guinea pig, she's been with us the longest. Mm -hmm. So she really has like a rich resource of advice to give. Um, and then you have someone, yeah, because like the, you know, it's, it's unique in that as such a small industry, it's like we can reach out and really connect with people who have won yeah. these awards. I think in other, yeah. in other examples of scholarship or award winners, it's harder to forge a personal connection, but, um, right. if you're, if you're like in the cheese, right. Yeah. If you're in the cheese industry, you're probably at least 
two, if not one, then two degrees away from one of the six award winners, right? Exactly. So that's that's kind of what's great too, is that at some point, one of them you can read out to reach out to. And then you have someone like Sam Frank who he, he applied twice. Mm-hmm. So he didn't even win the first oh. time. So like that, huh. there's many people out there who are looking to get out reapplying. Right. So if you're and nervous about reapplying or you're wanting feedback, talk to Sam because he went mm-hmm. through, ask him what he did, you know, and then right. what he believes helped him win that second time around. And then of course I would always say, reach out directly to us at info at DCTA.org. Um, that's our email address because mm-hmm. those are just going to be, we're going to be those questions that aren't available on the website. We can right. answer anything, hop on the phone. But the biggest thing I would say, and I've always said, and some people don't like the answer, but I still say it, Let's is that it. I, I, don't, I don't think that there is any harm in applying, even mm-hmm. if you don't think you'll win. In fact, I think right. you should apply if you won't win, because there's nothing to lose except for a day of self-reflection. Yeah, and especially, how- like, there's, there are other ways to... Um, embark on projects. So if you're taking the time to think through something you'd love to learn more about in the cheese industry, whether or not you get the award, that doesn't mean you can't find other ways to pursue it. I'm totally with you. I think um, if anybody even has an inkling of a spark, go for it. Because it's also, I think, how we've, I've had much of the feedback I've had was that they didn't win. I talked to these past winners, past applicants, and they say, and I and they're disappointed. Of course, it's always that disappointment. Mm-hmm. But they're like, you know what, though? Like, I figured out what I don't want to do. Mm. You know, like, they'll say that all the yeah. time. Like, I actually wrote that, and it, I realized six months later, I really wasn't into that. And it was mm-hmm. really helpful, because if I had never sat down and put it down in writing, I would have, or I changed my vision three times, because I started writing about it and kind of digging into it and realized, mm-hmm. oh, God. No, I don't want to learn that. Or I started dapping into something and realized I love this subject mm. and it just was the most exhilarating, fun experience That's writing so about awesome. it and learning about it. Or for some, it turned into jobs right. because visioning is you seeing where you want to where go you with your be. life. Yeah. Out- exactly. I and so it. for one, she was super nervous about applying, but she did it and then she ended up realizing. I really want to go and work for a company that's about education because this the scholarship is about education. Hmm. So her next job took her to Jasper Hill and interning and then end up working for them, you know, so because cool. the company was so in line with what she was looking for. So I just strongly encourage people. Many people have said, Oh, I'm intimidated because people have won. I'm not like them, but yeah, whatever their th- no, thoughts are, their insecurities. And I just say, put those voices to, yeah, put those yeah. voices in your head to rest. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Jewel, I have, go. I have one final question. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've started doing a little fun question at the end of the show. And today's question that I'm excited to hear your answer on is what is your favorite mac and cheese cheese combination? Oh, my God. I have the answer. I'm so glad because I was going to get real scared if I didn't have the answer. Um, So it's actually really funny. And it's not because I work for Essex Street Cheese. Uh Any of those people who out there know, right? I'm not plugging. It's because people out there who know are listening, you mm-hmm. have cheese on hand for the work company you work for. Right. You're, that, inevitably, so, that's what you're going to be cooking. <laughs> inevitably, with, right? it's in your fridge. Yeah. So there was this one time I was going to a Southern barbecue, mm-hmm. and it was entitled with the very weighty responsibility of mac and cheese. So it was very intimidating. Yeah. And all I had on hand, because I was running late, was a bunch of Essex Comte and mm-hmm. Manchego. Ooh, and I was Comte, like, I had never Manchego done Manchego. Combo. Yeah, I had never done, I had done goat cheese and mac and cheese before, but I had never done that. And yeah, Manchego with uh, that alpine gooiness, mm-hmm. that nutty combo was to this day, it's, it's legendary with the wow. people who are at that barbecue. Well, so I have to say that's my favorite combination. I think that's going to be inspiration for my dinner. 
There you go. Jewel, thank you so much for joining me on air today. I so admire your... Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I really admire your timeless and spirited work in honor of Daphne. Um, Listeners, I hope you enjoyed... Yeah. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I also wanted to mention, please visit Daphne's Epos Teaching Award dot um, org to learn more. And if you're so inclined to make a donation... Uh, let us also know what you're thinking about as you think big for your 2019 DZTA applications. It would be fun to hear about ideas that people are um, batting around if you are so inclined to share. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Cutting the Curd, or shoot us an email at cuttingthecurd at heritageradionetwork.org with feedback or ideas for the show. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with more Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family and become a member. Thanks for listening.